Just three days ago, we gathered to remember Jesus' descent from the Mount of Olives and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We were waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Just three days ago, we were celebrating. This morning, our journey through Holy Week takes a dark, even ominous turn. Today is Spy Wednesday, the day on which Judas Iscariot plotted to betray Jesus. Tomorrow is Monday Thursday, the day on which Jesus ate with his disciples for the final time. On Good Friday, we will gather together to remember the suffering, crucifixion, and death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will make our way home in the darkness, in silence, where we will maintain vigil through the long hours of Holy Saturday. All of this is right and good. It is right and good to remember each and every step of our Lord's journey during Holy Week. It is right and good to slow down and to meditate upon his betrayal, his trial, and yes, his execution. Holy Week is a time for reflection upon what Jesus has done for us and for our salvation. We may even want to contemplate why Jesus had to suffer and how precisely his suffering and death makes possible our reconciliation to God. Was Jesus paying a ransom to the devil? Was he bearing the wrath of God the Father for us? As you know, there's many ways to think about Christ's suffering and death. Across the centuries, no fewer than six Major theories of the atonement have emerged in the Christian tradition. But while it's crucial to think about why Jesus had to suffer and die, and about how his suffering and death made possible our salvation, we need to be careful that in our quest for understanding, we do not drain all the mystery out of Christ's atoning death on the cross. There is an irreducible mysteriousness about Holy Week, and especially about Christ's suffering and death. A mysteriousness about why God chose just this way to reconcile us, and about how precisely we are saved by Christ's death. What God in Christ undertakes during Holy Week is both intensely personal. His bleeding and dying is for each one of us and an event of cosmological significance. The decisive turning point for the whole of God's good creation. Who can possibly comprehend such things? Truth be told, most of us will be glad if we make it to Easter Sunday in one piece. There is so much to do 
The kids' Easter baskets need new grass. We need a new dress and a new pair of shoes to match. Who knows, maybe this year we will buy a fancy hat. For now, clothes shopping will have to wait. The menu is even more pressing. It's our turn to host dinner, and we haven't even started on the grocery list. Somehow, I don't think many of us will be guilty of overanalyzing the atonement. But that's not my biggest concern this morning. There's a time and place to think carefully about the why and the how of Holy Week, and particularly of Christ's suffering and death. There's a time and a place to read Anselm and Abelard, Augustine, and all in. It's called Basic Christian Doctrine and you were all required to take it. My biggest concern this morning on Spy Wednesday has to do with the matter of betrayal. On the one hand, it's tempting to think that had we been there, we would have never done what Judas did. We would have never plotted and schemed to betray our Lord and Savior we would have never sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. It's tempting to think that if we had been there, we would have defended Jesus to the death. We would have followed him all the way to the cross. We would have been more like Peter than Judas Iscariot. On the other hand, we know how Holy Week ends for Peter. By the time it's all over, even Peter, the rock, will betray Jesus. He will abandon his beloved Lord, and so will we. Betrayal is ugly business. In one way or another, we are all guilty. We all turn our backs on God. We all sell our birthrights as creatures made in the image of God, which is to say, made for joyous communion and fellowship with our Creator and with one another. Some of us sell out for silver. Some of us sell out for gold. Some of us sell out for sex and pleasure. Some of us sell out for political power. But rest assured, we all sell out. We are all Judas, or at the very least, we are all Peter. Spy Wednesday really is an ominous day. We know only too well how the story ends. We know how it ends for Jesus, and we also know how it ends for Judas. Betrayal really is ugly business. In Judas' case, the guilt and shame that inevitably follow betrayal prove too much to bear. And if we are not careful, it may prove too much for us to bear, too. The good news this morning is that we do not undertake the journey of Holy Week as memorialists. To be sure, on Spy Wednesday, we remember Judas' plot to betray Jesus on Monday, Thursday, we will remember the Last Supper. On Good Friday, we will remember Jesus' crucifixion and death. Remembering all these things is important. 
But there is more going on here than a simple recollection or commemoration of events that took place a long time ago. We are not memorialists. We do not simply gather during Holy Week to remember the past. We gather to pray. Better yet, we come together during Holy Week to be prayed for. And the one who is praying for us right here and right now is none other than Jesus himself, the very one we have betrayed. Jesus himself is here this morning, friends, and he is praying for us. He is praying for you. He is praying for me. He is praying for our forgiveness. It's one thing to ask, what has Jesus done? It's another thing to ask, what is Jesus doing now? In the scripture reading this morning, the Apostle Paul declares it is Christ Jesus, the one who died, who is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. The really important thing that I want you to hear this morning is that the one who is praying for us now, the one who is even now interceding on our behalf, is the same one who undertook the journey to the cross during Holy Week. When Jesus stands before the throne of God the Father, he does so as the one who was betrayed and beaten. When Jesus prays for you and for me, he does so as the one whose side was pierced, whose hands and feet were torn. He does so as the one who bled and died. When Jesus prays for you and for me, he does so as one whose body bears all the marks of Holy Week. Listen to Wesley. He ever lives above for me to intercede. His all-redeeming love, his precious blood to plead. His blood atone for every race, his blood atone for every race, and sprinkles now the throne of grace. But Wesley's just getting warmed up. Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, Lord, forgive, they cry. Forgive him, Lord, forgive, they cry. Nor let that ransom sinner die. You do know what this means, don't you? It means that no matter what we may have done, no matter how we may have betrayed God, we have an advocate with God the Father. And not just any advocate. Jesus Christ Himself, the Righteous One, the One who was crucified and put to death, is pleading our case. His wounds are pleading our case. This is the best possible news. Jesus' wounds are pouring effectual prayers for us.
And the Father hears him pray, his dear anointed one. The presence of his Son, his, excuse me, he cannot turn away the presence of his Son. His Spirit answers to the blood. His Spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. Because it is the one who made the journey of Holy Week, the one who was betrayed and beaten and ultimately put to death, because it is this one who even now is praying for us, we do not have to tiptoe when we approach the throne of grace. We don't have to approach in fear. No matter what we've done, no matter how we may have betrayed God, we can approach the throne of grace with great confidence. Listen to Wesley one more time. To God I am reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child. I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh. With confidence I now draw nigh. And Abba, Father, Abba, cry. Because Jesus is the one who intercedes for us today, Paul rightly asks, who then condemns us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one. Because it is Jesus who intercedes for us today, Paul can exclaim, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Friends, Jesus is here today in the power of the Spirit, and He is praying for you, and He's praying for me. He is praying all of us.